With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. With college football here, and this this week all the eyes are on it because the NFL is done, the preseason is over, and the first week of college football always gets more attention because really it's the only football that we get to see over the course of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The biggest game Saturday that we've been talking about all week leading up to Michigan, Florida, and Florida State, Alabama. That are going to be great games for us, be fun games to watch, but I would never, 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 ever, never, ever, tinkers to evers to chance, never, ever schedule one of those teams week one of the season. If I'm Michigan, I'm never scheduling Florida. If I'm Florida, I'm never scheduling Michigan week one. Same thing for Alabama and Florida State. Now, of course, the schedules are done years in advance, but the reason I would see these games disappear right now for good is because it doesn't behoove you to play a great team week one. You said behoove 
Nicely done. There is one magic number in college football if you have plans of making the college football playoff, which all the best teams do, which Michigan does on a yearly basis. So does Florida. So does Florida State. So does Alabama. They all want to make the playoff. The magic number is one. With the four-team college football playoff, that is the number of losses you can have and still make it into the playoffs. It's no longer about strength of schedule and we played this game, we won this team, and we're worried about winning a, a, a tie, some, breaking a tie somewhere because we're 11-1, and one, they're 11-1. and one. No, you can only afford to lose one game because every team that's made the playoffs so far, and it's only been a few years, the most losses they have had is one. Every team with two losses outside looking in. Why? Because the college football playoff committee simply looks and says, okay, you finished a Power 5 conference schedule with one loss and you won your conference championship game. You are in the playoff. You're one of the four teams in the playoff. If you're a two-loss team, I'm sorry, you're on the outside looking in. And it doesn't matter the schedule you play. Because if you're a Power 5 team and you finish 11-1, and one, which is what most conference champions finish, over the course of a season, you will have beaten a couple of top 25 teams, won a couple of tough games on the road, because the top 25 has to be made up of some combination of Power 5 conferences, which is the majority of it. So why would you play a game week one when you could lose and then know we have to run the table the rest of the way? One loss can be forgiven, and, and you can even say that's too much, but I like that because it makes every week in college football mean so much. One loss, though, you, there's got to be a little bit of wiggle room. Why would you play a game like this when you could lose? Why would you schedule a team like this? It doesn't help you. If Alabama beats Florida State, well, great, they're number one. But it, it's the same thing for Alabama as if Tennessee beat Western Michigan or they beat Akron. It's a win because it's not going to be about body of work. When it gets to the end of the season, the top teams with one loss, they're all up there. If you have two losses, you're out, you're out. I'm sorry, this is the way it goes. That's what they have shown us. If you have two losses, you are not going to be able to leapfrog past one-loss teams. And oh, by the way, we haven't even gotten to the part where, hey, what if an unbeaten team from a non-Power 5 conference gets in? Just think about that. If you have two losses and you want to get in, and this is my final point on this, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that no one will schedule games after I tell you this, think about having two losses and getting to the college football playoff. Here's how you get to the college football playoff with two losses. You have two losses, and everybody else in your conference has at least two losses. That's a lot to ask, but maybe. Everybody else in the Big Ten, everybody else in the Pac-12, everybody else, everybody else has two losses. Okay, you also need everybody else in another conference to have two losses because three or four every year, three teams are going to, four teams are going to at least go 11-1 and one and win their conference championship game. You're not going to have two lost teams winning their conferences. So if you have a two lost team, the only way to guarantee your way in is everybody in your conference loses two and everybody else in other conference loses two. And then you got to hope that the committee likes your two lost team right. over the other two lost team. It doesn't pay to schedule these games. Well, I would never do it. Never. You start getting down into the depth of your conference and are your, your second half of the teams in your conference better than the second half of the teams in another, and that's one of the big things right now when we're looking at Alabama seven and a half point favorites uh, against Florida State this weekend. But on the overall of you saw it even in the initial top twenty-five to come out, they're all alone in the SEC in terms of your top top tier teams looking at the rankings. Which means if the rest of the SEC gets dragged down, a loss in one of these games is that much worse because you're not going to be bolstered by the health of your conference because the perception is going to be, well, it's down 
overall that you've got a weak second half. And that certainly was the case last year. And, and that's one of the things that is starting to dog the SEC a little bit, where you've got Alabama and you've got everybody else. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Big Ten, you've got multiple teams that will be contending on, on both divisions. As you go, no longer the legends and leaders, which still stinks, but I like that because it was nice and simple. But <laughs> the the fact of the matter is, you got Ohio. Are we in State. the leaders or are we in the legend? No, you're in the legends. No, I call myself leaders. a legend. I want to be in the leaders and best, so we could just be the Michigan song. There you go. So you got the Michigan game against Florida, where you've got tons of suspended players for Florida. You got Jim Harbaugh having fun with the roster. Here's a list of legends from the. Michigan program in the in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And here's all the assisting coaches that once played football <laughs> at Michigan. Good line, good trolling job, but certainly uh, as we look to these games, there, there's an awful lot on the line. Now, as a, a fan and someone sitting here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, I'm all for it. Let's schedule them all we want. Because, oh, yeah. For because fans, well, it's great. Well, but Teams been, never do it. But what's never. been the argument about the NFL preseason, right? Oh, throw it away. It's just like you know, college football, they go in and replay right away. Well, some teams do. Some teams play one of these heavyweights and they get right after it with with a team on par with them or, dare I say, perhaps a, a step or two better. But most teams have a tune-up would be the nice way to put it. Yeah. Tomato can. Every, everybody's got one. tune-ups except for those four teams this yeah. weekend. Everybody's got it, but their games nobody's going to watch. That's just how it goes. It, it doesn't. You're not watching Northwestern Nevada. How dare you? Uh, hey, listen. Minus twenty four. I got Syracuse Central Connecticut tomorrow. We got my hands full with the what the the Husky Huskyers. Huskyers. Husky the Urs. Central Connecticut. They're the the Screaming Eagles. What are they? The, they're, they're the Screaming uh, Eagles. You got Hayden Fox they, on the sideline for them. They the Avengers. Where's at? What are they? They they're the Justice League. What, there you have Central it. Connecticut. Nicely done. This is the best of the Jason Smith Show on Fox Sports Radio. Everybody who's a LeVar Ball apologist, and you all know who you are. Oh, he's done great things for his kids. He's gotten them all into college at UCLA. He's got to be doing something right. No, he's a good guy. Just stop. Stay in your lane. On the day that Ball and the Family premieres on Facebook, the reality show, which has already got over a million views, right? So the, the show is doing great. It's announced that LaMelo Ball, the youngest who is still 16 and a junior in high school, who may wind up being the best of all the Ball brothers when it comes down to it, now has his own signature shoe. $395. Nice. Three. That's a bargain. Nine, five. I can at least afford that, and then I can get maybe a pair of Skechers and maybe a pair of flip-flops with the other $100 that I would have to spend for the Lonzo shoe. So at least this one is not as much. Because you know LeVar Ball had a lot of time, and he's like, well, I can't make it as much as Lonzo. i got to be able to put Jell-O shoe in the middle when he is done at UCLA. So now LaMelo Ball, who has been famous for his 92-point game, for hoisting up a bunch of crazy shots from inside half court during the playoffs when his Chino Hills team was playing and uttering racial epithets on WWE Raw, this is the kid I was always worried about with what's going to happen with the Ball family because he has seemed to enjoy the spotlight to the extent where there's no ramifications for me. And now you're seeing a big one potentially come up because here he is now with a $395 shoe. This puts his NCAA eligibility in jeopardy. And everybody right now has got to go to college for one year before you go to the NBA. What's the best way to be the number one, number two overall pick in the draft? Go to college for a year. Don't go to Europe and play for a year and then have to sit back and go, well, he's still good, but is he as good as some other guys? He's playing in Europe. I'm not really sure. 
that's not a way to get it done. His eligibility is now in question because the NCAA was even asked about this today. And their response was normally anyone that uses their athletic ability for profit will forfeit their eligibility. However, there's still a sticky wicket to see exactly how this thing goes with his, with his sneakers. But when LeVar Ball was asked, hey, what is this going to do for his eligibility? He said, doesn't matter. If he can't play, he can't play. Well, what do you mean? No, that's exactly what he said. If he can't play, he can't play. He's still going to work out. You're <laughs> saying you are okay with your son not having a collegiate career, not taking the best path to get to the NBA because you want him to have a shoe. For everybody who defends LeVar Ball, he is someone who, no matter how this turns out with LaMelo Ball, he is someone who is using his kids, has no problem using his kids, either his own kids or kids that he coaches in AAU, using them to further his brand and his own fame. That is indisputed. You can't, you can't, you can't cut that anyway up and go, no, no, he's still a good dad. He's now potentially, because he wants to give his, uh, wants to put a shoe out for his kid, he wants to put his college eligibility up in the air. And you you really want to disagree with me? You really think this was a coincidence that this announcement wasn't planned for the day the reality show drops? Hey, you leave Ball in the family I mean, really? alone. This is going to win multiple Emmys. You think? And earn really? gobs of cash. This could have come at any time, but on the day the reality show drops, here's when the announcement is made. It's because it's all about his brand and being famous, and everybody l- leads into this. Now we've seen the the it turn around with people that I respect in the industry. So, no, I like LeVar Ball. I like thinking, really? You like him because he comes on your show? Because he comes and talks to you. That's why you like I me. Mean, really, you see. I think we're on a short list. He's not, it's you and me, Petros yeah. and Matt. Oh, he'll never I come I think on. it's oh. the four of us. God, he'll never come And the brothers who haven't talked to. But you know what? Our I, ball. I, I'd rather talk plainly and honestly about a guy when he's doing something like this. Because he doesn't care. You can say, no, I'm a dad. No, he doesn't care. I would never do something like this to my daughter. I would, I would never say, okay, yeah, maybe you can't go to college because don't you want your own shoe? And because the kid is so has stars in his eyes, yeah, yeah, of course I want my shoe. You know, Zoe's got his own shoe, everything else. He's completely out of control, and now he's potentially hurting the future of one of his kids. And j- even for Jello Ball today, why doesn't he have one? Because he's handcuffed by UCLA. He's pulling him out of UCLA after his freshman year. He's already said it. By regardless, April, we're going to, we're going to the draft. Regardless whether or not he's any good. Now, this could hurt his NBA future. Let's say he might not be as ready. He doesn't get drafted, and he doesn't wind up somewhere. Just because he says the Lakers will take him doesn't mean they're going to take him. Just because he says— Well, just he, like a deal like uh, Rob Palinka had with Paul George and his agent. <laughs> just don't tell This is already there. You. Just don't tell me. Don't tell, just don't tell anybody that you're already going to be signed as an un, undrafted free agent if we don't we don't pick you. I mean, that, that, just because he says it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And I, look, there's there's only so many things I can say about the guy. But really, you can't look at this as anything else as saying, yeah, he's really looking out for his own interests over his kids. And anybody that does that in any way, shape, or form, and what, what are they really worth when you're saying, oh, I care about me and my brain and everything else more than I care about my kids? No, as I've been consistent on the show, it's like there, there's a part of the enterprising renegade kind of look-see at building a brand and building your own shoe would-be clothing empire, etc. going on to Facebook, uh, a company that's committed a ton to programming and trying to get live programming and these kind of scripted or non-scripted reality shows, as it were, into the pipelines. So I, I like the, the innovative nature and the aggressive um, maverick kind of marketing and salesmanship that LeVar Ball does. 
However, you'd be just absolutely negligent in putting the blinders on if you didn't see the other side of it here when it comes to the eligibility, flat out daring the NCAA to step in, flat out going against every policy and every ruling that's been put out there for many years in terms of eligibility and being able to be part of a team, laughing and saying you're handcuffed by what you've signed with UCLA. And and I get it. There, There's part of that is, again, you're, you're thumbing your nose at authority and everything that the NCAA has been. Because let's say, it, it, to be fair, uh, they're anything but consistent would be the nice way to put it when it comes to the NCAA and how they handle these things. But you've now drawn a ton of attention. And for Steve Alford, how many headaches does he have going in? Thought he dodged a bullet with Lonzo Ball a year year ago, and now he's right back in the in the middle of it, the deal with the devil about hot recruits and bringing these teams together and now having to deal with potential uh, sniffing around his program for the next few years. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. There's no one better to bring in. You hear the music. You know who it is. Michigan's finest, who has been following this all day, all week, all month long, capping a crazy night in Major League Baseball, Fox Sports 1, MLB Network insider John Palmarosi, and JP, I've never seen a trade go down like this where it happened, then officially it was off, and then officially it was on again. Uh, there was a lot going on tonight, guys, <laughs> and I'm uh, very glad to be joining you here from uh, from a somewhat shell-shocked and yet, uh, um, I think, accepting and uh, supportive state of Michigan, because this is quite a story. And uh, really, the, the, the essential explanation for why the ending flipped here and there, uh, it seemed like five different times, was this. Justin Verlander preferred to go to the Cubs or the Dodgers. Those were the teams that I think for personal reasons, professional reasons, those were cities that he loves, that he's had a lot of experience in, that he wanted to go to. And so he was not going to agree to go really anywhere else unless he was satisfied that those possibilities had been exhausted. And that time did not come until around about 11.59 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, which is when I think he finally came to grips with the fact that this was his option, that if he wanted to go chase a title this year, it was going to be in Houston. And uh, so he agreed to the deal, and here we are. It's a remarkable story. I was told by a source that the Tigers even had officials from the team visiting Verlander at his house tonight. Uh, discussing it with him uh, and and sort of briefing him on what was going on. So a remarkable story. The blow-by-blow, the TikTok of what happened is is really remarkable stuff. And and the Tigers now, I think appropriately, have moved on. They they, they know that they have to have a rebuild. They've traded Justin up. They've traded Justin Verlander in the same day, uh, I think signaling very clearly that they are in the mode of saving some money, accumulating some prospects, building for the future, and I think that at the very least this deadline uh, did not pass without the Tigers making some steps that I think will improve their future. While the Astros, by the way, have righted the wrong of a very quiet July 31st, they now have an elite pitcher to pair with Dallas Keuchel at the top of their rotation. So this is a phenomenal story. These are the baseball stories, guys, that I love to tell and that we're lucky to be a part of. All right, now before we get on further, J.P., 
how much would it take for you to get on Twitter after you do the interview with us and say, I have it on good authority, Justin Verlander has not been traded to the <laughs> Astros. How much? How much to well, do that? Well, <laughs> uh, I, I do not want to lose my job nor my blue check mark, so okay, I will right. probably not do that. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, that would, I think, be putting both of those honorific titles in peril if I were to do that. Um, so I, I would tell you that uh, I, I would, uh, as much as I would love to, just kind of test it out and see what that would mean. Uh, I, I, I believe in this moment, discretion is the better part of valor. No, I think I might want to do that. I don't have a blue check mark. They have not deemed me worthy of one. Uh, what? I, I don't now, know. Now and that I like. Land has been traded, and I have some time on my hands. I will. I will <laughs> check with my friends at Twitter and try to get them uh, to help you out in that regard. You're the best. I appreciate that. So three prospects come on back. You, you mentioned Dallas Keuchel, and he was very critical of the Astros front office at the deadline when, when we, when it's all said and done prospects MLB ready, is this three guys that we see in Detroit next year, or we're talking a couple of years before this really comes to fruition. Uh, more of a longer term play. Although the, uh, the, the, the top end pitch that they got in that deal, Franklin Perez is a true, I've been told, number one type arm. Very exciting arm. Uh, Houston still has a very, very good farm system. Notably that they did not trade uh, either of their top two outfield prospects, Tucker or Fisher, uh, but again, they did trade Franklin Perez, Daz Cameron, Jake Rogers, so I think a very intriguing set of names that are going to the Tigers. I think guys that are certainly going to help upgrade what's been um, a pretty middling farm system for a long time. So, uh, But this is clearly Mike, this is clearly a long-term play for the Tigers. They, they now know uh, they are not going to be competing for a World Series uh, in 2018 or probably 2019 either. Um, and this, I think, was a, a step toward looking at what the next contending Tigers club could look like, even if it's a few years away. This was a big step towards, I think, building out in that process. And really, in some respects, what the White Sox did this year with all the great moves they've made over the last calendar year – I think put the Tigers on notice because now the Tigers knew they were not as good as the Indians were in the present day, and they were very far behind the White Sox in the future. And I think that this was a nice way of, uh, I think, kind of melding those two concepts together uh, where the Tigers finally recognized, hey, listen, we have to make some some moves here and really adjust what we're doing as as a franchise to get better in the long term and really keep up with the White Sox with all the great moves they've made. So I think it was a good recognition by Al Avila, the Tigers GM, and uh, certainly it came down to Justin Verlander's decision. When you've got a full no-trade clause, uh, you have the right to really control the process. He did that, um, and, and now, of course, he gets to play for the Houston Astros, a team that, as we know, is at the center of the city of Houston's uh, effort to just inject some positivity into what's been a tragic circumstance there over the last week. And he also gets to pitch for a franchise that also has employed and currently employs as an executive – Nolan Ryan, his favorite player growing up. So really a, a very cool story, a very compelling story, and I think one that's going to be a lot of fun to watch play out in the month of October for sure. Now, J.P., uh, take us back. We're talking with John Paul Morosi, Fox Sports 1, MLB Network Insider in Detroit, as we're, or in Michigan, talking about the Verlander trade that finally went through to the Astros. You know, it, this was officials from Houston were at his house all night, all the way up till the deadline. And it really, it really was like one minute before he was like expecting a phone call from waiting for Ned Coletti or someone to call and go, oh, hey, oh, look, it's, it's, it's the OF scene on the other line. He was well, not really how it all went down. It was officials from the Tigers. So, so the, the Tigers officials were there at his house working through the various iterations and processes that they were doing. But they actually had multiple executives with them at his house 
going through the conversations. So right, no, was, but I mean, but he was waiting. Was, but he was waiting so, for so, like a phone call, you know, a different phone call that it was somebody from the Cubs or the Dodgers because that's where he really wanted to go. Right. Basically, they, I, my understanding is, and, and again, it's all sort of new information coming in, is that they were relaying information uh, basically to him about where the discussion stood. And I think Justin, again, he he had some teams in mind that he had interest in going to. But once it became apparent that was not going to happen, uh, that was when he finally agreed to the Houston deal. And, and I think that it was really those, those people, those executives, who I'm sure he had a great deal of trust in, saying, listen, uh, this, is, this could happen, and if it does happen, uh, here's, here are the different circumstances, and here's the reality of why maybe the Cubs deal is not going to happen. So if you want to go chase the World Series this year, you have to say yes to Houston, basically. And, and that was the deal that was presented to him. That's the deal he agreed to eventually, and uh, that's why we're standing here now at uh, past one in the morning Eastern time, and uh, I may not go to bed tonight. It's it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty uh, exhilarating night here to be covering baseball. There you go. You look good in the in your library with all your baseball books and autographed baseballs behind you. There, uh, never let them see you sweat as you work into the midnight oil. Obviously, we've got this trade, and then we've had some activity from the Angels. If we take it where we're at here in the greater Los Angeles areas. Obviously, sky is falling radio with the Dodgers losing five in a row, but Justin Upton and, and Brandon Phillips showing up for the Angels uh, a day after Pujols hits a dramatic mark and people tell him he's the worst player in baseball. So now they make a charge for the postseason, uh, and a team that had been left for dead is suddenly uh, vital as well. Yeah, the, the Angels are a really interesting day for them as well. I think getting Justin Upton is a nice fit for them in the near term and long term because, of course, they would pay him next year less money than what they are paying Josh Hamilton this year to not play for him. Right. So it's a really intriguing uh, and compelling storyline. However, though, of course, Justin Upton can opt out after the season is over. So uh, that is a bit of a dynamic where they had to really scale the return accordingly, where the Tigers believed they were going to lose them for nothing after the season was over. So they wanted to recoup at least some level of talent now rather than have him leave without uh, any sort of compensation at the back end. So uh, I think it was a very interesting decision by the Tigers, a very opportunistic move by the Angels, who, as you point out, also get Brandon Phillips, and they send Cameron Raymond down to, uh, to Houston. And of course, they may well see Cameron Maybin in the playoffs at some point in time if they make it there. So um, really interesting storylines for the Angels, but they have really been looking for, Mike, in left field, a, a credible power-hitting big bat to really anchor the lineup for a long time. They've never had it, and now they do. Justin Upton is a bona fide major league power-hitting corner outfitter who's been the Tigers' best player this entire season, an all-star. So a very nice fit there for a team that's chasing something. And, and maybe, how about this storyline? What if the Astros and Angels play in the first round of the playoffs? Not far-fetched at all based on the way things look in the American League standings right now. I'd like to see the waiver deadline be extended to mid-September so then the Angels could trade for Verlander. It could happen. <laughs> I'd like to see the uh, – well, if the waiver, if the waiver uh, postseason roster deadline ex- extended till 5 in the morning, I'd still be up for four more hours. So, so I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm okay right now with, with everything going just about as long as it has. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm good right about now. Put on that Al Franken mobile cam. Let's watch you work through the night. <laughs> Periscope that, that, buddy. That's a good idea. I, I should uh, I should uh, take a page from the playbook of the good senator from Minnesota and uh, and work on that. That's that's a good idea. You can follow him on Twitter at John Morosi. That's at John Morosi for all the craziness and what an incredible day in Major League Baseball. Topped off at eleven fifty nine and fifty nine seconds Eastern. 
Justin Verlander now officially a member of the Astros until he's not. He's a member of the Astros <laughs> now. JP, as always, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for staying up so late. My, we'll talk to you pleasure. soon. My pleasure. Deep into the night, my friends. Love talking baseball with you guys. Thanks so much for everything. You got Be it, good, man. buddy. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott has filed a lawsuit challenging the appeal process arising from the six-game suspension imposed on him by Commissioner Roger Goodell. Remember, we're waiting now for the decision of Arbiter Harold Henderson, who's going to decide whether to uphold Elliott's suspension or reduce it down from six games. The NFL did this with Tom Brady and Deflategate. They filed a lawsuit preemptively in court when Brady challenged the ruling a couple of years ago and they were able to keep this open and Brady eventually exhausted all his appeals and he served that four-game suspension. But now here's Elliot, who has already, before the appeal process played out, likely because he doesn't think this is going to end well for him, filing a lawsuit that challenges the process. Not the decision, but he's challenging the appeal process because Elliot's side is upset that his accuser, wasn't allowed to testify. The arbiter, Harold Henderson, didn't make her come testify. Uh, Roger Goodell did not personally observe testimony from Elliot or his accuser, Tiffany Thompson. He didn't make make the league make Thompson available, didn't force the league to produce the notes of the league's interviews with Thompson. So now here is Ezekiel Elliott filing a lawsuit on the process. Well, and then you had Kia Roberts, the NFL investigator, who, that she had recommended that there would be no suspension of Elliott. So that jumps into this as well. You're saying, okay, Henderson's going to make his ruling. Well, forget about this because this is a rigged game. And look, even their own investigator said, I shouldn't be suspended. So this is a, a pretty big push in terms of what the Cowboys have been arguing as Ezekiel Elliott during this entire process. So what does this all mean? Because I get, I get it can be complex, and it's 1.30 in the morning. So I want to make sure that, you know, listen – Everybody knows it's 10.30, you know, people are driving home late or up late. This is, this is what this means. Elliot doesn't think the appeal process was fair, so he filed a lawsuit. The NFL, I'm sure, will file a, loss, a counter lawsuit. What does this mean? It means it's the new deflate gate. It means that Elliot, look, seeing, just judging, I'm not a lawyer, but I've done enough law stuff now on the radio for the last 12 years, and I think I, I know what's going to happen. Elliot will be able to play week one. And he will play in perpetuity because how long is it going to take for this lawsuit to be heard in court? And then the appeal to that lawsuit, it's going to be like deflate. Well, but that's it. Just it. Be, when you it file the appeal after a year. Appeal. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that come week 10, week 11, you may suddenly have a date. But you get continuances and the countersuits and more appeals and drag it on probably well beyond the Super Bowl in Minnesota. And, and that's And that's what... This means is that most likely, if I can judge by how things have gone, he'll play week one, he'll play all season long, unless something crazy happens and, oh, yeah, you got a court date week five or week seven. But usually that doesn't happen. They save it till the offseason, but who knows when in the offseason that will happen. It could be late in the offseason, and then you could have a decision and an appeal to that decision. It, it's it, Who knows? But likely, I would say, Elliot's going to play week one, and he'll play probably for the remainder of the season. I, I, I can't believe that it's going to be suddenly, yeah, oh, week nine, now we're going to hear your case. They usually don't do that. So, look, the same thing happened with Brady. Brady got suspended, but he filed the injunction, and, and what? He played all season. Okay, great. Then it went into the entire offseason, and then the four-game suspension got held up, and the Patriots decided, okay, we're just going to do it, and 
Brady did it and then came back and went on to win the Super Bowl. So I would say if I had to bet money one way or the other, Elliott's playing all season. Well, he's been practicing as if, and we've been talking about that a little bit here and certainly from a fantasy angle. Dan Byer and I on Sunday mornings will be doing our fantasy show again this fall. And talking about drafting, it became a big question. And we go through the legal process, said leave him right where he was. Perhaps drop him a couple of spots in the first round, but not to bounce him fully because of the way you could go into so many legal wranglings to kick this out as long as you wanted to. And that's exactly the tack it would appear that Ezekiel Elliott and his team want to do. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.